Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert. Your source for martial arts talk radio. One, we're live. Hey, everybody, this is Rasita and Robert, and you're listening to Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. It's February 8th, 2015, and we've got a great show for you, so stay tuned after our first segment as we're joined by Master Bob White. But before we get into all that cool stuff, I'd like to bring on my co-host and esteemed brother in the martial arts, Sifu Robert Deal. Sifu Bob, how you doing today? Good. It's Oh, my God, it's hot in L.A. I have had one hell of a week. Busy at work. This is worse than Christmas this time of year. Because it was my wife's 50th birthday last Saturday. Yeah, was that was really cool. It was, it was very cool. It was my son's 20th birthday on Wednesday. My, wow. my daughter's 17th birthday on Monday. And then it's my 28th wedding anniversary next Sunday. Woohoo! <laughs> and, oh, and I forgot, of course, Valentine's Day that, that just jacks everything up. The day before. Up. Yeah, the day before. Right. <laughs> so that means we're not having a uh, a show next Sunday, right? Oh, yeah, we are because it's our third Sunday, so we're having a Sunday brunch show. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Very cool. Have that planned out. Cool. So, so you have everything all planned out for Valentine's Day? Just say yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's say I do. Yeah, let's just say yes. Yes, let's just say, well, she's not home yet, so she's not listening, so I can say pretty much whatever I want. So listeners, I do. Yeah, listeners, our number here is 347-677-0699. If you've got some cool suggestions for something that Sifu Bob can do for Valentine's Day with his wife, give us a call. (laughs) That's right. Make him look like a rock star. That's right. That's, that's <laughs> um, it, man. I, after 29 years, though, you sort of go, eh, it's just another day. It's like when you reach our age, your birthday is, yeah, don't, tell, don't remind me that I'm getting older. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When I remember when I was like, uh, when I was uh, turning 16, I thought it was like the coolest thing. Sliced bread, and then eighteen. Ooh, coolest thing since sliced bread. Then twenty-one. After that, it all went downhill. I don't look forward to birthdays uh, yeah, absolutely. at all. Absolutely, because because those are the milestones: sixteen, eighteen, twenty-one. Yeah, and it, there is no other age in a milestone. Not oh, fifty. Okay, it's a half century, but it's a depressing milestone. Yeah. <laughs> my twenty-first yeah. was cool. Well, I you know my my father passed away when I was twenty. 
So he didn't stick. He wasn't around for my 21st birthday, but my mother took me to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And you know the most disappointing thing about Vegas? We were actually in the casino, not on the floor yet, because it wasn't midnight. Okay, okay. I went and ordered us a couple drinks at midnight. I didn't mm-hmm. get carded. Wow. That was the most that was the most disappointing thing about the whole night is that I did not get carded on yeah. the first drink. Yeah, I I I well I didn't either, but then again my friends took me took me in and they said, Hey, we're celebrating our best friend's twenty first birthday. What's the coolest drink you can do for a 21st birthday, and I didn't get carded until she put it down. And and but I already had my idea. And he's like, she's like, oh, I took your word for it, but I'll look at it anyway. Okay, she barely looked at it, you know. And I was like, boy, that's a trusting bartender. You know what I mean? <laughs> it is. Now, do you remember the first? I think the first time or second time you came down to visit, I took you to Hooters. Right, I remember that. Remember. Yeah. And the waitress looks at me and she says, I need to see your ID. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. I'm old <laughs> enough to be your father. And knowing my, knowing how I was in my 20s, I could be. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't agreeing because I didn't know you back then. I was just going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think all of us were like that in our 20s, male or female. Every, every last one of us. Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And if you say you weren't, you're probably lying. Oh, <laughs> oh anyway. yeah. It, any guy that says that they weren't a dog in, in their 20s, even now, they're flat out lying. And every right. woman that, that says that not all guys are like that are blind. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's just the way it is. Either that, see, I look at it this way, um, that, you know, I don't, you know, I, I'll say not all guys are like that, meaning that not all guys will will act like that all the time they know when to shut up right they're not going to cat call you know people in the middle of the street you know while they're wearing a business suit and carrying a briefcase and and junk like that you know um no, i've never acted like that i've never done know, the cat calls i've never done that kind of crap because that's that's just disrespectful well it is it's disrespectful and and yeah but you know so when i say not all guys are like that you know i just know guys that'll never you know, say that and, you know, like maybe in front of me or, or or at other people or while I'm with them or something like that. I used to have a friend that used to go, wow, you know, look at the butt on that chick. And I'd be like, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> Dave, shut up, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and but, you know, that was that was when uh, that was when I was like 23 and he was just turning 21. So it was like, oh, OK, shut up, Dave. Anyhow. All right. Well, we've got a great show ahead of us. Again, listeners, we're going to have Master Bob White of Kempo Karate joining us, a, a direct student under uh, Ed Parker. So before we get to that, let's uh, start moving with our first segment. So let's go ahead and start with birthdays. I know you've got some friends with birthdays this week. I, I, I do. Uh, and of course, you caught me on one of those rare, rare occasions when I wasn't ready. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, I can do a mine. friend of the oh. show that's actually been on the show and been inducted to the Masters Hall of Fame. Uh, her birthday is today, and that is uh, Sensei Elaine Yamano. Woohoo! And I also have a very special birthday coming up that I just mentioned. Tomorrow, my mm-hmm. daughter Brianna turns 17 tomorrow. 
Wow. And Gina Tam, this girl was funny. Uh, I communicated with her. She's a friend on Facebook. She's from back east. She called me mm-hmm. Robert or Bob. And she said, mm-hmm. oh, my God, Sifu, I hope I didn't offend you. I'm like, do you know oh. what it takes to offend me? <laughs> I would prefer you call me Bob, please. Yeah, uh, But right. her, her birthday is on the 10th. And a dear friend, uh, one of the martial arts kids' actors, the main bad guy in the whole – well, second main bad guy under our another friend, Matthew Zip. His birthday is on the is on Valentine's Day. Woo! And the funny thing is about TJ, I'm trying to get his age because him and I have kicked the same dirt around for the last 20 years, including yeah, yeah. he used to study under my best friend Greg Woldridge. Mm-hmm. So that means know, he's guess... really close to my age. Yeah, but he yeah. looks like he's 25. Yeah, I would, I would peg, I would, I would peg him at like maybe mid 30s. You know, Maybe, but he was but probably I'm, I'm, that like years ago. I don't know. He's, yeah, he's well, I'm guessing about 48, but I, I can't tell. And he won't release his age. But yeah. for one of those rare occasions, you actually have more birthdays on the uh, roster than I do. Yes, I've got some I've got some birthdays. Um, previous student of mine, uh, Joshua Langang Batalin, and I'm saying his last name wrong because it's got like an umlaut on, uh, over one of the letters. His birthday's today. Um, a Chen Tai Chi brother, Byron Hartman. His birthday is uh, also today. Um, a f- former classmate, a Wushu classmate under Master Yi Jiao Hong with me, Mr. Zach Lang. His birthday is today. Um, a martial arts sister on the, uh, I forget which side of the state she's on. I think she's over by the coast of Washington. Uh, Padme Grace, her birthday is uh, the 10th, and that's Tuesday. Um, a teacher at my downtown uh, private school job that I do in the morning, Shiloh Isbell, her birthday is also on Tuesday. Uh, a teacher's aide there at uh, Morningside Academy is Joe Frankenberg, and his birthday is also on the 10th. Uh, tai Chi student of mine, Alex Wren, also on the 10th. And last but not least, a Dose Potters brother, and we go way back, Carl Krauser Hasegawa. So for everyone having a birthday the week of February 8th through the 14th, this tune's for you. I wanna wanna wish you a happy birthday. I wanna wanna help you celebrate. I wanna wanna wish you lots of presents. I wanna wanna help you eat your cake. Bossy, bossy in the island way. You'll be jamming all night till the light of day. Your birthday, birthday is your day to shine. Another year and you'll be looking fine. So have a no worries, don't you I was trying to hold that cough. <laughs> oh my gosh! <coughs> Don't you hate that? You're like you're live on the air, and someone else is talking, and you can't, you know, you can't quite get to your microphone to mute it, and you have to cough or sneeze. That was <clears throat> anyhow. <laughs> 
Happy birthday, everyone, the week of February 8th through the 14th. Don't party too hard now. All right. Announcements. Um, we've got a few announcements. Um, let's uh, go ahead and start with Bob. Do you have an announcement? I do. My phone didn't stop there. It goes. Uh, Bob, well, actually, our, our uh, guest tonight, Bob and Barbara White, they're having an invitational weekend. The Very tenth cool. Annual, uh, the 10th Annual Bob and Barbara White Invitational is fast approaching, and another exciting weekend of activities is scheduled. Friday, March cool. 20th, is a welcome banquet at the Sea Cliff Country Club. The 21st, it has a series of, of uh, seminars hosted, hosted at Bob White's Karate Studio. Sunday, March 22nd, Bob and Barbara White Invitational Tournament at Edison High School. This tournament is very cool because it benefits the Royal, what is this, Royal Kids Camp. The, yeah, Royal, the, Royal, sorry, family. the Royal Family Kids Camp, which yeah. is a camp for, I, I, I will have Bob explain more, but it's a, like a camp for abused children, which mm-hmm. is very cool. Yeah. Uh, for more information, you can visit the official tournament website at www. BobWhiteInvitational.com. And one more announcement. It is coming close. We have four months until the Masters Hall of Fame in Hollywood, California, that is going Mm -hmm. to be held at the world-famous Roosevelt Hotel on Hollywood Boulevard right in downtown Hollywood. That is going to be really, really cool. Very cool. I, I still can't wait. Can't wait. I, I can't either. I can't believe we only have four months. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of people will, will would say that it's a lot of time, which it is. It's a long time. It's four months. However, there is a lot of stuff that uh, the organizing committee has to do basically for one night. It's It's like holding a tournament. In a sense, you know, you've got like all sorts of stuff to do, trophies and this and that and the other and, you know, um, the dinner reservations and stuff. So it's going to be it's going to be fun and it's going to be in Hollywood. This is the first for the organization. And uh, depending on what Hanshi Dan Hecht, our CEO, wants to do, we may or may not keep it in Hollywood. So we'll see. We'll see how that works. Well, I, I actually hope we do. Because I'm really selfish. It's only ten minutes from my house. <laughs> Instead of I am really selfish that for way. an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I can sit in traffic for an hour, like when, like when my daughter and I went down to the Magic Castle, which is yeah. about a half mile from that hotel. I spent an hour in traffic just for wow. for a ten minute drive. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but I'm. It's really exciting. It's uh, a friend of mine, a, a Facebook friend that I nominated. He's. He. I guess he has a fund. It's uh, a what is it? Fundme.com, mm-hmm. and he's going to use his account to come down. And he's in like Massachusetts. I thought he was in like Colorado, but he's mm-hmm. way back east. He's in. He's actually in Nevada, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. So, wow. so that's way out there, but I look forward to it. So I know some of my inductees are going to be able to make it. They're coming from all over. Uh, I nominated somebody from Malaysia. Uh, oh, he, cool. he he wants to make it out here. Uh, it's just going to be a great event. But 
because of the size of the venue, if anybody wants to go, they better start buying their tickets like now. Uh, right. In the past, the past few years, we've had in excess of 450 to f- over 500 attendees, which mm-hmm. includes the ambassadors, the board, the executive board, which we're on now, uh, mm-hmm. the guests of the ambassadors, the inductees, mm-hmm. their guests. But now the venue is only going to hold 350. So mm-hmm. and we're only and we're only inducting 50 people this year. Mm-hmm. So we yeah, really not have as a many as limit. last time. No, yeah. not even close. But and and we don't have the option like we have in the past of adding tables, switching rooms, doing something else to accommodate a larger crowd. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. you're going, you better get your 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 tickets quickly. Uh, we have uh, the tickets are being started are starting to sell. Uh, mm-hmm. And our first inductee has purchased his dinner ticket, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just going to be a a blast. We're going to have it's gonna so be much fun. So yeah, it's going to be so much fun. One of my inductees already like rented out a, a king suite. <laughs> I was like, wow, already. But you know that's smart to make sure that you get the the room that you want, as opposed yeah, to you know. Where's Where's she from, Rusty? She's from Colorado. She's from Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's bringing like six people and renting a renting a big room and wow. Yeah, it'll be it'll be yeah, she's going to have a blast. I I think she'll have a blast and it'll be great to to finally meet these great martial artists that I've known through Facebook and have talked on the phone with for years but have never met face to face. You know, it's always good to meet the people that you've been that you've been literally best Facebook friends with. You know, for years. Oh, to yeah. meet them face yeah. to and, face. Yeah. And remember, our MC is going to be TJ Storm. Uh, mm. Guest keynote speaker is going to be Michael Matsuda of the Martial mm-hmm. Arts History Museum, and which all the guests that are that are coming down, we invite you go visit the museum while you're here. It's the only one like it in the entire world. Yes. Go see it. it it's is. ten bucks to get in. It's a it's a great, going to be a great experience. It is. And, you know, while you're there, folks, while you're at the Martial Arts History Museum, which is, um, like Bob mentioned, um, um, headed by Michael Matsuda, um, you know, feel free to make a donation, too, even if it's an extra 10 bucks or an extra 20 bucks, because the operation of the museum is done entirely by donations, donations and out-of-pocket funding, his pocket. So, you know, let's keep the museum going because, like Bob said, it is the only kind of its world. They recently got the original uh, coat um, that David Carradine wore in the original Kung Fu TV series as Kwai Chang Kane. And they also got the Kung Pao Enter the Fist movie uh, Gopher Chucks and the Flattened Squirrel <laughs> from there yep. also. And the Flattened and they Squirrel. Also have, uh, he, yeah. He gives people actually right now that are – are coming in specifically for the jacket. They're not even martial artists. I mean, it's 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 classic. I mean, you know, you, you see that and and the hat and you've got Kwai Chang Kane. You know, um, it's it's really cool. And they've also got a a cool anime wall, also, um, all sorts of stuff. Um, the Hall of Honors wall. Um, just all all sorts of cool stuff there. Filipino section, a uh, Polynesian section. Go check it out, folks. I can't, I can't um, 
enough how cool of a of a place the Martial Arts History Museum is. It's really cool. All right. Well, I've got a few announcements also. Um, I want to send a shout-out to Pia Karate Doc Schuler. He's known as the Karate Doc, Dr. Schuler, and uh, he posts a lot on our Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. And his latest article is about plyometric push-ups and how they help martial arts. And I'm just going to very briefly explain what a what plyometric push-up is. Um, these kind of push-ups are really great because it increases the abilities of the chest and shoulder muscles, which you need to throw quick, powerful punches. So to do plyometric push-ups, you want to begin in the basic plank push-up position with your hands slightly wider than your shoulders, and you lower yourself down to the floor at a normal controlled pace, just like a regular push-up. You want to stop just short of the floor, and on the way up, you want to push up as explosively as possible, so explosively it causes your hands to come up off the floor. And then you want to land softly back into the push-up position and repeat. And you want to try to complete three sets of six to ten repetitions. Now, <clears throat> these are really great. They do help They do help your punches. But, folks, please make sure that you consult your doctor first before undertaking any fitness program. And that includes plyometric push-ups because you want to make sure that your shoulders are good to go and stuff like that. You don't want to rip any any muscles or anything like that, once you get a clearing from your doctor, go ahead and start training. It's pretty cool. Awesome. So Peter Karate Doc Schuler, just uh, look him up on Facebook. All right. Um, there's uh, another announcement I want to make. March 21st, 2015, um, this, this post is from John Casterline in Newark, New Jersey, for the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame. There's going to be a bunch of free seminars. Pretty cool. And here are some of the people that are going to be presenting seminars. We've got Gentleman John Lehman from New York, Professor Ken Worthy, also of New York. Bill Superfoot Wallace will be doing a seminar, and he's from Florida. Kathy Long from where you're at, California, will be yeah. doing a seminar at the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame. Barry Broughton from, maybe it's Broughton, I'll just say Broughton. Barry Broughton from New York. Richard Dixon from Pennsylvania. Billy Marks from Oklahoma. Kevin McGrath, and his nickname is Play With It, <laughs> from New York. Grant Miller. I would not want Asian. that nickname. Play With It? <laughs> I wouldn't, yeah. <clears throat> uh, Kevin, Kevin Hufford from New York. Andrew Stigliano from New York. Ken McKenzie from New Jersey. Chris James from Indiana. Les Kersnaski from New Jersey. John Casterline from New York. Wilton White from New York. Mike Andrews from Pennsylvania, Alan Wilson from Kentucky, Michael Kareem Ratcliffe from New York, and many more. That's just a partial list. So, you know, uh, we don't uh, have the time to to make a shout-out to all the great teachers that will be teaching at the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame, but uh, that's happening on March 21st. Awesome. All right. And let's see if I have any other announcements here. Um, I think that's it for my announcements, unless you have any other ones. No. No? All right. Well, let's move on to our health tip. All righty. Now, it's not so much that these are health tips. It's actually more tips about cross-training, uh, cross-training in the martial arts. Now, a lot of people seem to think that you can just, you know, do a bunch of martial arts 
and automatically become a great fighter, like maybe go to a judo school for two weeks and then go to a, a boxing gym for a month and then go learn jiu-jitsu for like three months and then go learn <clears throat> taekwondo for like three months or whatever, and you end up, boom, being a great MMA fighter. Well, it's not that simple. <laughs> According to uh, writer Hao Wong, who writes for martiallife.com, um, there's a saying. He says that the saying goes, he who chases two rabbits catches neither. And uh, he wants to remind people that if you cross-train improperly, cross-training will impede your martial arts progress instead of help it. So he's written Ten Commandments to get the most out of your cross-training. So hopefully you can catch both rabbits. Now, if you read through these and you feel like you can't follow these commandments or you feel, oh, hey, that's stupid, I, no, I'm not going to do that, well, then perhaps it's not the best decision for you to cross-train. So here we are. Number one, the most important, and this is what I tell my students all the time, stick exclusively to your primary style for at least five years, okay? Now, sticking to your primary style has its benefits, okay? Between three to five years will allow you to acquire the maturity that will help you better understand the workings of another school. Because, you know, Bob, you know what drives me up the wall are people that go and take, like, let's say karate for three months. And then they come to my school because they see all the hanging bags and, and the weights and stuff like that. They come in and they go, you know, yeah, you know, I want to know how much classes are. And the first thing we ask is, you know, have you done martial arts before? And they'll say, yeah, I did karate for like three months. Oh, really? When did you quit? Uh, last month. Where at? Uh, at the karate school down the road. <clears throat> and I'm like, well, why do you want to come here? Well, you know, they take too long doing basics and stuff like that. And I go, oh, well, you'll be doing the same basics here. So... You know, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and usually that makes them go out the door, which is fine because you know if they're gonna bitch and moan about basics, then you know they're probably not gonna be a good match for our school anyway. Um, but anyway, um, another another benefit to sticking to your style for a while is you have you know you you begin to understand that you can't improve when you haven't mastered what you're already doing, right? Um, you also have to remember that cross-training should be used to supplement and improve your own training, not necessarily replace it. And uh, also remember, folks, that going from school to school every few years is not necessarily good cross-training. If you don't stick long enough in one school, you can't fully assimilate all the intricacies of its training into your own previous training, okay? And that, at best, makes you a mediocre practitioner, not a, not a better one. Okay, um, being a mediocre practitioner in so many styles doesn't make you good. It only makes you a practitioner with a lot of experience at being mediocre. <laughs> so remember that first. Uh, remember that first before you even think about going to another school. Okay, number two, do your research first. List the weaknesses of your training that you think would benefit from receiving instruction elsewhere. This will provide you with a goal and the motivation you need to succeed. And you want to ask yourself, what do I want to get from cross-training? What aspect do I think will be improved, and how does that school help me? How would that school help me achieve those goals? Now, you want to do this research on the Internet or actually go into the school, okay? Yeah, you know, we live in the Internet world, but, you know, rather than just, like, looking at Yelp reviews or Google reviews, if you can, go to the school because that's where you would go, right? If they offer free right. intros, take them. You know, or 
better yet, say, hey, you know, I want to try it out. Can I just pay for a month or two of instruction just to try it out? And if it doesn't work, you know, can can that be it? You know, and most gyms will be happy to accommodate you. So do your research. Okay, number three, empty your cup. I guess that should be number one, but it's number three. It should be. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in other words, stay humble. Humility is not the art of drawing attention to whatever you're, you're trying to be humble about. <laughs> Be genuine in your humility, you know. Um, it, it, it's funny when the first thing people say when they want to talk about themselves is when they say, well, you know, I don't want to brag, but, well, then you know they will. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Also, folks, remember remember to forget. <laughs> forget everything that you've learned before. Pretend you're completely new. If the new school uses a belt system, wear the lowest belt. Okay. Another thing that drives me up the wall is when people come in and go, well, I'm a black belt in some other style. Can I wear my black belt? And if I say, well, you're not a black belt in this style, and they demand me to recognize their style in my school while they're being a student. It's like, I'm sorry, no, because you're not a black belt in my style. So, you know, if they're a black belt, you should know that, right? Wear the lowest belt. Okay. Um, Also, you want to remember you're there to learn, not to teach not to show off, and not to be a disruption to the class. Dude, what are you opening? It sounds like you're opening like like, like a potato chip bag or something. I don't know. You know, that, that was actually me being quiet uh, because actually <laughs> I'm opening some top ramen because oh. I know how long you can talk. There you go. <laughs> and, there's, and there's three more. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's number three, empty your cup. Okay, number four, do your best to learn everything. You're going to be there anyways at that new school, so why not get the best out of it? Learn everything at the school that you can, okay? Uh, you may be shown familiar movements that you've already done, just with a different flavor. Try to do it their way. Okay, let me repeat that. Try to do it their way. The subtle differences may help you gain a deeper understanding of the movement you already know, okay? All right, five. This goes with number four. Do not judge or reject anything. You don't have knowledge or mastery to be able to properly judge another technique or philosophy. So shut up. Okay. And number two, people also quote Bruce Bruce Lee out of context. You know, people keep saying, keep what is good, reject what, what is bad. And that's being said in a context where the person, you know, that was being said by Bruce in a context where he gave the training an honest chance. Now, only after you've assimilated and understood the movements and principles of what you're studying, only then can you make an educated decision, folks. So don't be all like, well, that's not how I would do it. Well, then don't come to that school. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing. All right? Okay. Now, yep. Now, okay, and, you know, and this is hard for many people, even, you know, people that consider themselves masters. Now, some techniques may seem strange and impractical, but give it an honest try. And don't go into it thinking, well, I would do it this way, my way's better, but I'll do it. I'll do the movements anyway. No, 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 no. Give it an honest try and go at it with a white belt mind. If you judge the technique right away, you're all, you've already rejected it. And that's going to take you nowhere in your intellectual understanding, and you'll be missing out on important aspects. So don't reject. Number six, don't be better than anyone else. So don't show off. (laughs) 
So you want to look at it this way. If you're better than the students, they'll learn from you. If they are better than you are at that particular art, learn from them. I don't care if you're at 15th degree black belt, learning from an orange belt, learn from them. Number seven, get out of your comfort zone. Even in your strength, you might find your weaknesses, right? Um, How Wong says, if your strength during sparring is kicking, try to set up your kicks differently. Kick from angles where you're not comfortable with. Better yet, don't even use your freaking kicks. Use your hands more. So get out of your comfort zone. Okay, number eight, follow the path created by the school. Don't try to impose anything on the school. The minute you signed up and walked into that school, you morally accepted to submit to their teachings, their rules, their ways. And if you can't follow their rules for any reason, then go somewhere else, period. Okay? And you want to try to progress at the pace your school designs for its classes and its students. Don't try to skip steps so you can directly do the fun stuff. Okay? Number nine, refrain from, refrain from telling people your training experience. It is best not to divulge your martial arts experience unless you want to be part of an endless comparison between your new and old school. So you have em- emptied your cup anyways, right? At least we hope. So you have no past training, quote-unquote, to talk about. Okay? All right. Um, and number ten, you want to stay at your school for at least a year. At least. And you want to stay long enough to assimilate the basic mindset of that style. Once you've got a deeper understanding of that school, you've got to review your objectives and analyze if that school is still suited for your needs. And then you can, you know, make an honest decision about whether you're going to continue to train in that art and uh, follow through with it um, or not, you know. And hopefully you'll leave with no hard feelings and also with the teacher there having an understanding of what your goals really were. So anyway, that is the Ten Commandments of Martial Arts Cross Training, and I'm going to go ahead and put that on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. So, Very cool. Woo, that was a lot of commandments, but, you know, we got to make sure people people remember, remember about that. All right. Well, I'm done with the health news. Let's move on to the weird news. All right, what do we got for weird news there, Bob? Well, you know, this this judge, I think in, uh, where was it, in Hillsborough, Oregon, I think he made a bad call because if anybody had, if I had seen anybody do this to my daughter, they'd never find him. They'd never, they'd <laughs> never see the body again, right? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, can't yeah. wait to hear what this is all about. <laughs> An Oregon judge has ruled that a 61-year-old man did nothing illegal when he was crouched down in an, in the aisle of a Target store and snapping photos up a 13-year-old's skirt. You gotta be, you gotta That's be freaking crazy. kidding. You're, uh, okay, go on, I'm sorry. I, I would, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I would drag his ass out and beat him to half to death. Yeah, I don't, I don't care if he's close to a senior citizen. That's creepy. That's wrong. All right. And then <laughs> the he was found the not guilty. Crazy. That's that's nuts. It, it it was lewd and appalling, but not outlawed. Washington County Judge Eric Butterfield said, from a legal point of view, which unfortunately today is my job to enforce, he didn't do anything wrong. The judge said Thursday. Patrick Bueno wow. of Portland didn't dispute using his cell phone to take an upskirt photos on January 3rd 
at the store in suburban Beaverton. Wow. The Oregonian, the, the Orgo, that, that was what the Oregonian uh, paper reported. But his defense lawyer, Mark Lawrence, argued Bueno didn't violate the laws against invasion of privacy and attempted encouraging but, child uh, sexual uh, abuse, uh, a, a child uh, pornography count. How the privacy how law? Oh, okay, I'm I know. Tell me, the privacy law bans. Uh, let's see, bans photography in bathrooms, locker rooms, dressing rooms, and tanning booths. But the target aisle was plainly public. Still, that's what that's okay. what his attorney said. <laughs> Upskirt sightings can occur by happenstance, he said, citing a famous photo of Marilyn Monroe with her dress flying up, and that could happen to anyone riding up an escalator, taking a spill or exiting a car, he said. These things are not only seen, but video recorded, Lauren said. I'm having a hard time with this one. I'm I'm having a hard time with that because he was will he made the decision to crouch down and point camera up some underage kids skirt. He made that decision. It wasn't like she was, you know, the age Marilyn Monroe was and stepped over that that vent, right? And that picture was actually staged. So whatever. And, you know, if you're coming out of a car and the wind actually kicks up and blows your skirt off, okay, that that's that that's that's something different. But this guy this guy made that's the right. choice to Oh I just wanna I just wanna see, like see, they uh, are insane. Yeah. But see but the lawyer it, it was was saying happenstance. That wasn't happenstance. You're you can't be behind a woman on an escalator and see up her skirt. That's happenstance. You yeah. crouch down and purposely take pictures up a girl's skirt. That's no longer happenstance. No, it's not happenstance. Exactly. And that's, that's, I don't even really, I don't even know if that's considered weird news. That's, that's the, you know, let's all find out who this guy is. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. News. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's that is absolutely nuts, and it, it, I guess it is weird news because because Be, because of the judge outcome. is an idiot. Yeah, yes. because of the because of the outcome, and yeah, that is weird. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry for that 13 year old girl that that had to happen, and I'm sorry that there are people out there that are sick like that. Absolutely That's nuts. Sick and twisted. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to something okay, a little less. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, entertainment news. Let's move on to entertainment news. Well, you know, news. I sent this to you before, but you heard about the Bruce Jenner accident, right? The what? Say that again. The Bruce Jenner accident. Oh yeah, he like he like like ran into an SUV or the SUV ran into him or something like that, right? Right. He he yeah. was found completely at fault. Uh, one one person died at the scene. He voluntarily that went in for a know. drug and alcohol test. Uh, what? That that I didn't know. I didn't know somebody died. Yeah, there were there were seven injuries. One person dead. Uh, he voluntarily went in for a blood test for alcohol because he said he wow. hadn't been drinking. 
Mm-hmm. One guy, I guess, was behind the wheel and had been drinking. So he got wow. pulled in for DUI. Oh, that sucks. But anyway, that's that's not the we entertainment news. <laughs> yeah. Chris, this one is about Chris Brown. You know he has been in uh, the news for a long time about his activities. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris Brown has cops on high alert these days. They had an anonymous tip that the passenger of of the the guy in, in Chris Brown's car had a gun. That was enough, enough for LA's finest to spring into action. Law enforcement wow. sources told TMZ the LAPD got a call from someone saying Chris's passenger was carrying a gun. Chris was already inside Sayer nightclub in Hollywood, but the cops were able to corral the friend, detain him, and search Chris's limo, uh, Lambo. <laughs> Guys, wow. You know, if anybody can afford a Lamborghini, he went makes way too much money. Right? <laughs> Agreed. They found Agreed. nothing. Chris was attending uh, T.I.'s pre-Grammy party when it went down. Cops were well aware trouble sometimes finds Chris. You'll recall he was performing at a DMA party at One Oak last summer. Isn't that 10, 10 AK or One Oak last summer when shots rang out? And Suge Knight was was hit six times last month. Whoa. Five people were shot when Brown were performing when Brown was performing in San Jose. On the bright side, Brown tweeted Friday he completed his community service in the Rihanna case. How long ago was the Rihanna case? Like I don't know. Three or four years, and he's, yeah. and he's just completing the community service now. Wow like wow wow yeah <laughs> man man oh man cool well <laughs> i'm sorry i'm like <laughs> it's like okay so R- rihanna let's i want to look that up but eh, no let's not <laughs> let's instead let's do this um after that entertainment news let's go ahead and take a short break and during the break, we're going to give Professor Bob White of Kempo Karate a call, so that way he can join us um, with the uh, with us, and and you get to talk to him. So if you want to talk to him, give us a call three four seven, sorry three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine, or you can go directly to the Blog Talk Radio Show marquee and uh, scroll down under the marquee. And uh, type your questions in our chat board. Currently, we have one person on the chat board, or, or at least one person listening. A lot of times when people, like, listen in, they don't know that you know, they're also on the chat board. So guest number 4459, if you are listening, which you are because you're listed on my chat board, if you have any questions for Professor Bob White, go ahead and write them there. And also, folks, when you call us, please press 1. That will put you in the caller queue, okay? And you will actually be prompted by a nice British voice to press 1 to be entered in the caller queue. Um, Otherwise, if we don't see that, we're just going to assume that you're listening to the show and that's it. So, you know, please make sure that you you press 1 so that way we know you're there and we can pick up your line. All right? Okay. So don't go away, everyone. We'll be right back after this. 
A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, one in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 68. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. You know, a lot of kids in my neighborhood have really bullied me. There's these teenagers around my neighborhood who sometimes just ride around us on their bikes calling calling us swear words and like throwing stuff at us. He grabs my jacket just to get in line first and he was running after me and then he grabbed me by the hood and I started choking. I wasn't doing anything. He called me gay because he didn't like me. Bullying is wrong because it like hurts people's feelings and it makes you feel bad about yourself. It can make someone feel uncomfortable and scare them and make them not want to go back to school. It lowers their self-esteem. And it doesn't just always hurt on the outside. It also hurts on the inside. But do you know what I say when he's bothering me? I say, don't do that. If you don't stop, then I'll go tell the teacher. Stop. Could you please not do that anymore? Stop. Stop bullying. It is not cool. Hi, folks. This is Ristita De Jesus of Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. And I just want to send a shout-out to a good friend of the Dynamic Dojo show, Mr. Justin Harvey. Now, Justin's got two big passions in the world, and those are radio and martial arts. A student of Frank Dukes, Justin is a true student of the arts. Now, Justin has cerebral palsy, but that doesn't stop him at all. In fact, if somebody says that something can't be done, Justin will just get out there and do it, no matter what. He's the host of The Justin Harvey Show and has had guests such as Cynthia Rothrock, Frank Dukes, Ernie Reyes Sr. and Jr., Eric Lee, and many more. The Justin Harvey Show is syndicated on iTunes. So what are you waiting for? Go check it out. Hi, this is Frank Dukes. This is T. Joe Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk radio show? If you do, you can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo show with Restita and Robert. Your source for martial arts talk radio. All right, and we are back. If you're just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Restita and Robert. And uh, let me bring up Bob's mic. <laughs> I'm like, what happened to Bob's mic? <laughs> you always do that to me. I know. It's it's weird. It's like, you know, I just got to tell the listeners a little bit about our control board. Our control board is weird. Every time I go into the green room with Bob, it'll mute Bob's mic. 
which is fine. And then I have to bring his mic into the green room. Well, if I go anywhere else, his mic will mute. Okay, that's fine. And uh, and it was muted. <laughs> and it's like, why why does it do that? Why doesn't it follow follow the buttons I press? Anyhow, we have a very special guest joining us today, and I'm gonna turn the mic over to Sifu Bob to introduce our special guest. Well, thank you. Well, our special guest, his, he's got a long and rich history uh, of the martial arts uh, in, in many, all over the, and he teaches all over the country. He's a good friend of the Masters Hall of, Hall of Fame. Uh, please help me welcome Professor Bob White to the show. Professor White, welcome. Well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Appreciate the invitation. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to join us. And um, to start off our, our discussion, Bob and I usually like to ask our guests to give our listeners just a little bit of a background on their martial arts. So if you could um, just spend a few minutes talking about how you got into martial arts and, and you know, why did you choose Kempo and any other art that you had studied? Sure. Well, I sure can. Uh I was fortunate. I was in 1964. I had a high school teacher that was teaching martial arts, and I was involved in athletics, so I knew a lot of the coaches. And he was teaching at a local health spa. In fact, to this day, I still see him about two or three times a week at a, a health spa that I go to in uh, Fountain Valley, California. Uh, that was 51 years ago, and it was a wow. Japanese style with uh, a gentleman by the name of Dick Igo was the instructor, but it was directly under Dan Ivan, who was kind of an institution here in Southern California. And I mm-hmm. studied with him for a couple of years until 1966. And at that time, Ed Parker opened a school in Garden Grove, California, that was right around the corner from my house. And I really had not heard of him at that time. I just went over and watched the classes and... I saw him sparring, and I go, boy, this is something I really would enjoy. So I, I joined and just became part of my life. I was playing uh, high school baseball at the time, and then later on in 1968, I was playing college baseball, and I became a karate instructor, and I've been able to do that for a career ever since. Wow. Very, very must, cool. It now, must you, be great to, to do something that you love so much and you have such a passion for, though, Bob. Well, I feel very blessed. I really do. I, I've got uh, just a, a great life. You know, I have uh, my wife is a fifth-degree black belt in Kempo, just a great uh, instructor and uh, partner in karate, but more important, she's a partner in my life. And it's just been a, a, a wonderful thing where we don't really look at it as work, we just get an opportunity to go and spend time with our friends and do what we love. Oh, that's great. You know, your wife taught a very I I've never seen anybody teach like this before. But yeah, I I had great. done the uh seminars, just scheduled the seminars at the masters for the last couple of years and she we contacted each other and she taught this very in depth woman self defense seminar with PowerPoint presentation and the whole thing it was actually very impressive. Well, thank you. Well, I'm I'm very proud of her. She really spends a lot of time uh, working and preparing. We'll be doing uh, some seminars in Ireland here in a couple months, and Barbara's really working on her program and her presentation uh, already. And uh, she just she really never stops refining and trying to improve and being able to give the best service and education to people. 
Oh, that's great. So what was it like being one of being one of uh, Mr. Parker's students? What was it like training under him? Well, he was a remarkable person. You know, it was like a continual educational opportunity. Even going over to his house for dinner, we would always go back, of course, to our love, and that was martial arts. And his insight and observations were just so great. Uh, I, you know, I, was, I taught a seminar yesterday. Actually, it was for royal families at one of my student schools. And I was talking about a lesson that I had learned in Ed Parker's living room probably in 1971 or 1972. And it's one of those things that just stay with you. Uh, you never really know where your education is going to come from and when you're going to learn some things that are that are very significant and breakthroughs in, mm-hmm. in your training. But that was certainly one of them. And um, it just was a great thing. It's a shame that he died so early. He died in 1990, mm-hmm. 25 years this year that he's passed. But his words still just stay with us. And, you know, he said something one time about, you know, you can tell the impact of a person on how much they're talked about after they're gone. And, mm-hmm. boy, if, that, if that's true, you certainly know that through him. He just was mm-hmm. a very, very influential person. And, and just thank God for the time that he was here on Earth. Exactly. I mean, oh, like, you know. sir. Yeah. I mean, he is, you know, I've, I've always considered him to be a pioneer of uh, what I would call, me personally, modern martial arts. I mean, he really put a a big um, impetus on the science behind it also, and it just made martial arts that much more exciting to me when I found out who he was. for us, too. Yeah. the, The idea of basing everything on logic was so appealing to me. I I come from really much a a traditional background. And Mm -hmm. when I started listening to the things about, you know, it's something when somebody could show you how to do something, but when they start telling you why you do it, and that just sticks with you so much more. And he certainly had uh, that ability to articulate so well. You know, there's a lot of tough people from Hawaii, but I think the combination of his toughness, his martial arts knowledge, and his articulation kind of made him Mm -hmm. somebody very special. Mm -hmm. Well, now, Bob, you're absolutely right. You know, I I met uh, Ed Senior, nice man. He was very humble. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to find that kind of ability to teach. Mm -hmm. Uh, So many people I've seen and instructors, they'll teach the techniques that are very good, but they can't articulate it. I remember asking instructors questions that they couldn't answer, but they'd call me like four or five days later because I wanted an in-depth explanation. And, of course, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you do that, coming from Mr. Parker, you do that with your students. Well, I do, and one of the things that Mr. Parker did, he was so organized in his preparation of laying out the curriculum. We actually had classes on how to teach, how to talk on the phone, how to greet somebody when they would come into the studio, and how Mm -hmm. to answer questions that that are brought before you. And he really encouraged us to be thinkers and to be able to apply those concepts of principles and logic uh, to what we were doing so that the answers were there if you just applied those things. So it was Mm -hmm. a wonderful system. And as I get older, and I've taught now for quite a few years, I really start and to continue to appreciate the great things that he showed us. 
Oh, very good. Very now, cool. I, there is a question I know that you're probably asked at least weekly. You know, he was known for for teaching some celebrities. Mm-hmm. And then I asked I asked Ed Junior this <laughs> when he was on the show. Have did you ever meet Elvis and uh, Bruce Lee? Did did I? Yes. No. Okay. Uh, no. And I, it was a, a big mistake on my part, actually. In fact, I wrote about this recently. I was invited to come up to Santa Monica for uh, a class that Elvis was going to be involved in, and I I didn't go. I had classes myself, and to me, it wasn't something that I thought was really that big of a deal. Now, as years gone mm-hmm. on, I regret it tremendously. Now, no. Bruce Lee, I fought in Mike Stone's tournaments, uh, all-star tournaments at Santa Monica, and and Bruce Lee was there, and he was watching this fight, and a lot of people were around him, and I didn't want to be one of those people that was standing in line to talk to him. So I mm-hmm. didn't take the time to meet him either. And I, I really emphasize that now in my seminars. Um, mm-hmm. I have a, a, one of my students who's very successful in, in Long Beach. He Now he has three or four different karate studios. And he tells a story about 1990, how he wanted to go up and introduce himself to Ed Parker at the International, but Ed Parker was Mm -hmm. busy, and he didn't take the time to do it, and then Mr. Parker died later on that year, and how he always regrets it. So my point is, if you get an opportunity, take the time to go up and just put your hand out, and you never know, and I've tried to do that more in the last couple years, you never know, you might end up having one of your closest friends by doing that. But Mm -hmm. if you don't, if you stay by yourself and you're bashful or you're, you don't want to offend people or you don't want to bother people, then you deprive each other of the opportunity to develop new relationships. So wow. my coaching would be take the time, get your hand out there, and meet some people. That's a, you know, that is a wonderful way of looking at that. You know, you, dev- you deprive of a wonderful opportunity. That, that, that's amazing. I have to remember that. <laughs> That is, and and along those lines, Bob, I always take the time if I know somebody that's well known or what. I always take the time to introduce them to people I'm with. Like at the Masters last year, I called up uh, Rusty Rosita. She was changing the room, and I said, "You better come down here. I'm having coffee with Frank Dukes." Oh, that's awesome! And and she came right down. And you're the same way. You you and I have, have. have been at a lot of events together. I, we've never met met before because you were always busy with Dad or bu- busy with Barbara, and I didn't want to interrupt you at the time. But this year in Hollywood is going to be different. <laughs> Great. Well, I sure <laughs> look forward to it. I look forward oh. to spending some time with you at our event. Oh, absolutely, yeah. sir, sir. And we are also going to be broadcasting live, which is going That's to be really terrific. cool. Yeah. Now, you and I were talking off off the air what was it like growing up as a fighter with no equipment? I mean, you fought in the first tournament <laughs> that they brought pads into. But what was it like fighting bare knuckle? I mean, I'm sure there, there were knockouts, bloody lips. Tell us about those days. Well, you know, it, we didn't know any better. So, I mean, there was really nothing to compare with. That was the sport that we chose to be involved in. So we just did what was in front of us. Um, mm-hmm. And I really, wow. some of my very closest friends are people that I fought against at that time. Benny Urquides, John Natividad, Steve Fisher, mm-hmm. some of the very, very best uh, in the sport at that particular time. Uh, there's something about competing with people 
that you get to there. John Wooden has a great saying. He said, sports don't necessarily develop character, but it certainly reveals it. And I think a lot of these mm-hmm. great guys, you got a chance to kind of get a glimpse into their character and respect was formed and long lifetime, long friendships have been formed. Mm-hmm. So it was great. There was really, you know, cracked ribs were part of the deal and broken noses. <laughs> I mean, that's something, you know, it's karate's like Christmas. It's better to give than receive. You know, we don't, nobody <laughs> likes it yet, but it, it certainly was part of it. I love it. Oh, that is too much. How great was that? Oh my gosh, that's that's awesome. Now speaking of Christmas, now that reminds me, you know, uh, Mr. Parker, you know, it, it was from Hawaii, and one yeah. of the biggest concepts there in the islands is the concept of ohana or family. So was yeah. that was that concept of family something that Mr. Parker um, really uh, brought to the table when when it came to his teaching and his students? Yeah, there's no question that he did. He he always talked about the thing about martial arts is that you can go anywhere in the world, and if you say you have trouble, say you've had some sort of hardship, you could go to a karate studio and explain that you're a martial artist yourself, and you're probably going to have some help right there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it really is a family, and I know it's certainly true within the Kempo family, but it extends mm-hmm. beyond that. You know, it's one of the things about tournaments that I always liked is, you know, I've developed great friendships and consider people family from people of different styles, like people from the Chuck Norris school. And one of my close friends now that I really feel close to is Mike Stone, but he was an Okinawan stylist. But we were all competitors and we were all fighters and we all had this thing in common. And that's, of course, the, the sport aspect of martial arts, but more than the sport, the art itself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't think there's any question. It is a family atmosphere. And, again, the respect is there. And I think because of the respect, you know, you're going to go to great lengths to maintain the mutual respect and and develop the relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Now, Bob, I've got a question for you. And this comes up a lot because you've been a uh, (laughs) – I want to stay away from the age thing, but you've been around a long time. Yeah. What do you think about the martial titles? Because I was talking to Bill Wallace one time, and he said there, when he was growing up, there was sensei. That was it. There was no yeah. master, grandmaster. What, what, what's your opinion about that? Well, you know, I agree. I know that things change. And, you know, there's some people in Kempo that want to be like the Kempo police. You know, they want to make a determination mm-hmm. on who's to wear what rank and who's to be called what. And, you know, I really know personally – I've got a lot of work to do on just developing my own skills and taking care of my contact rather than worrying too much about what other people do. So there's a lot of lot of titles. You know, the person, one of the people that I have the utmost respect for, I mentioned earlier, Mike Stone. Mike Stone calls himself Mike. And he, mm-hmm. he said he always wanted the name Sensei. And he doesn't care about it. He will write down Shoren Ru Shodan which is the Shodan, which is the first degree, of course. And he doesn't mm-hmm. really care about all these other things. And I think there's an old saying I really like about reputation. Um, character is so much more important than reputation. Reputation is what people think you are and character is who you really are. And the bottom line, we always have to look in the mirror and be happy with the person we're looking back at or, or dissatisfied. And so I, mm-hmm. I don't think too much about titles. I don't think too much about rank. 
I know in Tempo now there's 110 degree black belts. Um, and to me, that just doesn't make sense. That's 100 people hmm. saying that they're at the same level as Ed Parker. And it, it mm-hmm. just, but it's not up to me to determine what they wear. That's up to each individual person. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I have I my own students and I have my own group of people that, uh, that I work with and I can't really police people outside of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, how, how well, is well, it now no, that... No. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was, because I, I was kind of confused. I'm like, okay, so if there's that, that many 10th degree black belts, you know, now that Mr. Parker is gone, who is, um, I mean, is there is there a governing body for testing for, for those kind of ranks? No, I there is imagine. not. There is not. And Kempo is so large, and it's, it's um, not being controlled at all. There is an organization called the American Kempo Senior Council that was formed in the early 90s um, after Mr. Parker died. And some of, not all, but some of the highest-ranking people uh, that were, at the time when Mr. Parker died, nobody had been promoted to 8th degree. There was, I don't know, a handful of people that had been promoted to 7th. I was fortunate enough to be one of those people. There were some mm-hmm. others, and we formed an organization called the American Campbell Senior Council. But it mm-hmm. didn't work. You know, people didn't want to come underneath an umbrella. They wanted to be um, the head person. They wanted to fill mm-hmm. Ed Parker's shoes. So a lot of these people that were not even fourth or fifth degrees when Mr. Parker died are now were in tenth degrees. Mm. But some of the people that were seventh, the highest that he had promoted, are still have only taken gone up to ninth degree. There's uh, Steve Labounty, uh, myself, Tom Kelly. Before he died, he died a couple of years ago, and, and a few others uh, have not accepted the uh, higher rank. They're going to stay right at ninth degree. But the American Campbell Senior Council will actually be at our tournament uh, in March. There will be some announcements coming out about the organization being reformed and people that want to get. Um, an AKSC certification can do that by taking a course and making sure that there's a standard that they have to maintain. Mm. And that's what our goal mm-hmm. is. Not Nobody's really in the group that we're dealing with. Nobody's running for higher office. No one's trying to be the next Ed Parker. Nobody wants to be a 10th degree. So, I mean, it's not a matter of looking for more power or more authority. It's trying just to maintain the integrity of an art that we'd all love. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. that's our plan. We'll see. You know, it's. I think everybody's intentions are good. We'll see what takes place. Mm-hmm. Oh, very cool. Now, I was in reading... our oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say one of the things about our tournament because it's a charity tournament. It really has brought out some wonderful friends and people. Maybe before we didn't get that much of an opportunity to spend time with each other. It used to be once a year at the Long Beach International's Mr. Parker's tournament. But now, mm-hmm. because of camps and seminars, we do get to see each other a lot more. But we're getting to see uh, a lot of people coming out uh, to support our event, where I think if it was uh, for my own financial gain, to line my own pockets, I think people would be maybe less likely to want to jump in and support. But the fact that it is for a charity for abused and neglected children, I think we're getting a lot more support. Mm-hmm. Good. And with good. that, good. that's a great segue actually into our fourth question. Mm-hmm. What's your involvement with uh, uh, our Royal Family Kids? 
Well, it's actually our entire family and our ohana of our studio. Uh, mm. And outside of our studio, we have friends all over the world actually now. But what happened originally, about 13 years ago, I was asked to do a demonstration for some kids. Um, and I said that I would do it, not knowing it was an hour and a half to two hours away. So I'm driving <laughs> no. up, going to do this demonstration. And to be honest with you, I had kind of a resentment. I go, i got to be careful what I agree to do. and You know, this is very inconvenient for me and all this self-serving stuff that was going on in my mind. And I get up there and I get an opportunity to see what they do and how these, these kids have been abused, neglected, abuse that you would not imagine. Uh, oh, man. They've been taken away from their biological parents, and they're put in this camp. And so we went up there, and, and we did the demonstration, and I left with the idea that I wanted to do more. And then the next year we went back up, and we did another demonstration, and one of our black belts went up with me as part of our team, and his name is Virgil Bartolucci. He's one of our instructors to this day. And... He said, you know, we ought to throw a karate tournament. I said, you know, I've thrown tournaments off and on for years, and I'm not really interested in doing it unless we do it for charity. And still, mm -hmm. we weren't even thinking about royal families. So I come home, and I'm talking to my wife, and I go, you know, Virgil asked about a karate tournament to, uh, you know, to uh, do it for charity is what I told him I wanted to do. And she goes, well, why don't we do it for royal family kids? And it was a great idea. And so we did. And the first year we threw it at our studio and out in our parking lot with a plan of making maybe five or six hundred dollars to help these kids. And we mm -hmm. ended up making twelve thousand dollars. And then the next year wow. we threw another one and we and we made twenty four thousand and then we made the next year forty eight thousand and then we made seventy five thousand and then it just has grown, uh unbelievable at this point this is we are 10th year at this point we've made over six hundred thousand dollars for this charity and it's beyond we really asked for god's guidance and protection from the beginning mm -hmm. my wife and i did and the prayers have just been answered over and over again and we still almost on a nightly basis will ask god for his protection and, and for the success of our event this year as i mentioned will be the 10th and there's no doubt in our minds it's already established that it will be our biggest year ever. So this year, again, I don't know, we'll be making, be able to donate to royal families between $100,000 and $200,000. So it's just been an amazing wow. thing. Not only from our school, like I said, we do seminars throughout the years. Did one yesterday. Uh, Paul Dye will be doing one at our studio a little bit later on this month. Big tournament in Ireland um, that will be held on March 1st. And that money will be, uh, the money generated will all go to Royal Family Kids. My wife and I, along with uh, some black belts, very respected black belt leaders, John Sepulveda and a guy named Eddie Downey from Ireland, um, we went to Chile a couple of years ago, and we went to the Chilean White House. And we've opened up camps now, not we, but we finance camps down in Chile, and now I think there's five of them. Um, and they have a tremendous need down there because there's a lot of mm -hmm. abuse and, and neglect. But it really has been beyond our wildest dreams, the success of our event. Wow. Oh, that, that's that's amazing. You know, I, I know it's such a good cause. I've always 
wish that they didn't have to have those kind of facilities. I wish everybody yeah. was just good to each other. You know what I mean? Just uh, all too well. And you know the reality yeah. of it is, is, I don't know if we'll we'll never really be able to stop child abuse. It's a it's a, a shame. But what we can do is we can help the children. We can help exactly. them. Put, my, in fact, my wife, um, which obviously you can tell I have a lot of respect for my wife, but my yes. wife and, and my two daughters, uh, our two daughters, excuse me, are really involved in the Newport Mesa Royal Family Camp. My wife is going on, I think, 10 years as a nurse. She's an RN, and she's the nurse, and now she's not only the camp nurse, but her and my daughter, our daughter Sydney, uh, teach karate up there. And because mm-hmm. of the success of our event, we have a, a budget, so we've been able to get the kids karate uniforms. And it's just been such an impactful thing to them. Some of the kids get to leave with their uniforms, and they uh, are able to do a demonstration. I've been replaced. I used to do the demonstrations. Now the kids do the karate demonstration. So very it's cool. It's just been a wonderful thing. Yeah, it, it really great. is something. Uh, I'm just going back to Barbara's your wife, but your daughter's yours. You keep I'm saying sorry. my daughter. <laughs> she, she must be an incredible kid then. I always call my my kids my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have uh, a total of six daughters. Six daughters. Oh, you're poor, so it's, oh, you're uh, poor bastard. <laughs> oh, I know. I keep going down further down the chain of command. <laughs> I've I've got one and that's a handful. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, Bob, uh, I was reading you you had produced a couple of DVDs, but I wasn't sure were they public or were they private for your students? No, no, I I did a coaching. Both of them are actually. I did one on sparring called the um, the uh, Purpose Driven Journey to Success, and it's a lot about technique and and how to develop a plan for your progress. And then I did one on coaching that I'm I'm very proud of. I've always studied coaching. As I mentioned, I've been involved in athletics my my entire life, and I know what a a big impact a teacher has. Um, One, I just read a statistic recently that more than any other profession, teachers have the greatest influence on our youth. And so I really take coaching seriously. Uh, studied a lot of work uh, from John Wooden, who was voted the greatest coach in the history of American athletics. And in fact, the, the, our walls are covered with quotes and virtues of his pyramid of success. We end up quoting John Wooden more than Kachin Funakoshi, and in some cases, even Ed Parker. But it's just a tremendous amount of information. So I did the DVD on coaching, and I really have done it all over the world. Uh, I did the first one, actually, in Ireland probably about, so I don't know, six years, seven years ago. But uh, made the DVD and actually quite proud of it. Uh, we got Master Ken is on the DVD. And, oh, and cool. His comedy helped. <laughs> really? Yeah, awesome. it's, uh, it was a project I really enjoy, and actually it still is my favorite seminar. Such <laughs> an important well. part. Now, now Bob, tell, tell us the process in that, you know, material yeah. gathering. Uh, how did you, how did you do the entire project uh, for the uh, DVD? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, what we did, Barbara and I created a storyboard, and then we put together some ideas on coaching. Uh, a very good friend of mine 
is a guy by the name of Jim Haley. He was worked for Billie Jean King in the World Team Tennis, directly under her as a general manager of the Newport Breakers tennis team. But he's also a certified instructor in neurolinguistic programming, which is a performance-enhancing method mm-hmm. of coaching. So he's my very, very good friend. We spent a lot of time with each other. Uh, and we broke down the different methods of coaching and different techniques. And, you know, a coach's job is to have their athletes do the things they don't want to do so they can become the athlete they want to become. So I really spent a lot of time, and Barbara and I both spent a lot of hours on the computer and, and looking it up. And then life experiences, things I learned from Ed Parker, how to structure classes, how you could, how you phrase things. As an example, I could tell you in your stance, you're not bending your knees. Or I could mm-hmm. tell you, when you bend your knees, you're a lot stronger. So mm-hmm. the same ultimate message, but I think the fact that you get a reward for improving your performance is going to make you more likely mm-hmm. to want to make that change. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, just really studied as much as possible. As I mentioned, read numerous books on coaching and tried to um, try to learn. It's still a subject that I'm so uh, interested in that I still try to continue uh, my education. And, you know, as you know, a martial artist, the word do means the way. Well, mm-hmm. it's the way mm-hmm. of constant and never-ending improvement. We never get there. That's why I'm never interested in putting on a 10th degree. I don't want to be a master. I want to be a student. I want to be able to develop my skills until the day I die, trying to be a better teacher and a better martial artist. All of those things are a simple thing like our our formula for success at our studio is basics, conditioning, and unity. And basics Mm -hmm. are a solid foundation of what you're doing. Conditioning is mentally and physically being conditioned. And unity is surrounding yourself with people of like mind that also have a desire to improve their skills. And what happens? You have that culture of coaching, and everybody's helping each other to become better. So it's a real simple formula, but it's proven over and over again in the last 40-something years. If you follow that program, you've got a good chance of finding success. Mm-hmm. Um, very cool. Now, you know, I love the guy. We've had him We've had Master Kim on the show. He was at the Masters, and I got to talk, Dragon Fest. What, what was his part in your project? Well, we, first of all, I really liked the guy. Uh, Barbara and I, years ago, uh, at our banquet that's coming up, we've, we've had guest speakers. The first one we had was Andy Hill, who was the former president of, in, of CBS Entertainment, was responsible for Chuck Norris' show, Walker, Texas Ranger, Touched by an Angel, but a real powerful speaker. He also played for Coach Wooden at UCLA, where his record in three years was 87 and three, but he he was a great speaker, but we were looking for something to get a little bit of, of comedy. And they had just come out with the enter the dojo series. And we, Barbara got in touch with Matt page, who is master Ken and talked to him about how he would feel about doing a live performance. And he had never performed live at that point. This was his very first show. So he came and just, was great. He was just so funny, and everybody really enjoyed him. And we developed this, our friendship. But some of the things that he does on his show are so outlandishly funny and completely <laughs> contrary to what a, somebody would really do. So to drive home points, we use that. One of the things I talk about is a, a counterfeit coach. 
and a counterfeit coach spends more time telling people what they're doing wrong than what it is that they need to do to correct it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we use that that particular point. We had Master Ken who hilariously made a, made a point, but basically what he was saying is what you're doing is all wrong. And what, what I was trying to say at that point is I say, well, if you do this, you're going to see improvement. So that's how it worked. I called him up, said we'd like to use it, and he said, by all means, feel free to do so. Very cool. Wow. Very, very cool. Mm. Yeah, he's a, he's a good man. He's a good martial artist, too. I wasn't aware of it at the time, but he had been in a couple of seminars I had done in Las Vegas uh, previous to that. And when he puts that makeup on, I have, in fact, when he was here, he stayed at one of my students has some homes down at uh, Balboa Pier in Newport Beach. And Matt Page was there, and, and my student who owns it, Matt, Matt Page was staying there. He goes, boy, I'd sure like to meet that Master Ken. And he was talking <laughs> to Master Ken. But he just looks that much different when he's wearing makeup. He he does. Makeup and that mustache makes all the difference. Like last year I saw him walking to the uh, walking to the hotel for mm-hmm. uh, what was it, Bob? Was it uh uh it, it was, uh, was it, it was, the Masters? Oh, oh, yeah. No, I think it was Dragon Fest. Yeah, Dragon Fest. I saw him but he but and we had me and uh Sifu Bob were you know, had talked to him like a few months prior and he was carrying a bag and he was just kind of looking around and walking toward the main door of the hotel. And I walked past him, and I passed him. I just, you know, whatever. And then I stopped for a second. I went, is that Matt? Because it was just how his eyes looked up. I'm like, that looks sure. like Master Ken. That must be Matt. And I, like, went to go follow him, but then he was already at the front desk. I'm like, well, I'm not going to bother him if he's going to check into the hotel. And uh, And then, like, ten minutes later, he was Master Ken. And I'm like, that was you, wasn't it? <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> too like, funny, yeah. It's a complete like, different and person. And you are? Yeah, a completely different person. And I briefly introduced myself before Sifu Bob managed to get the funniest interview that we got from him live. And it was, it That's was great. It was, pretty, it was crazy. But, yeah, it he was um, – it, it's it's hard to tell <laughs> without yeah, the makeup. That whole team, that whole Enter the Dojo group are just tremendous. They're just very nice people, and they mm-hmm. were real excited about coming out for their first live performance and also being able to be involved in what we're doing to help the kids. It was really exactly. good to see them become part of our team. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. such a worthwhile cause. Now, what is your involvement? Because I remember you were promoted on of the Masters Hall of Fame. What is your your title with the Masters, and what 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 is your involvement with the Masters? Well, Dan has been a a, a good friend. I originally met him. I was the referee at a police Olympics, and he was participating. But he talked to me about it, and uh, honestly, I had refused to be involved in the Hall of Fame for probably the first eight or nine years. Somebody else was running it at the time, and I didn't really want to be involved in it, but. Dan got involved and said that he wanted to try to make it an organization that was continually working on their credibility and that they wanted to do some good things. And the first thing they did is they gave us a nice check. Barbara and I went up and they gave us a $500 check for Royal Family. So I I knew his heart was in the right spot. And, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've tried to work with him. And there are some people in Kempo that are, I feel are really, deserving of recognition and acknowledgement, and I was able to 
to do that and get some people uh, involved and recognized and uh, that are very, very good friends, but even not, not necessarily more important, but along with a good friendship, but just kind of acknowledge these tremendous careers that they've had and the amount of people they've helped and made an impact in our art. And just some wonderful things. So I think that's the good thing about the, the Masters Hall of Fame is that, that it does give people that are, are so deserving an opportunity to be recognized for excellence. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. You know, this year is the first year that we're, we're not putting a category with the awards. It's a straight induction. You're being recognized mm-hmm. for your achievements, for your philanthropy, for your community service what have you, instead of Silver Lifetime, Golden Lifetime. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to see how that plays out. It's a great idea. Yes. Because uh, mm-hmm. what happens is people get, let's say, outstanding contributions, then they've been in a few more years, they want to be reinducted and given a higher award. Correct. So this time it's just uh, just one award. Now you're it. just in, yeah. You're in, you're and that's in. it, you're in. Yeah. Well, you know, There's it's no... a, a new thing, and there are a lot of people that are, taken advantage of so many different Hall of Fames. And, I, you know, the idea is good, but there, it's, it kind of can get diluted if there's so many awards that are going out and it mm-hmm. becomes such a uh, food for egos. And exactly. It, that kind of makes something negative. Ideally, you would want somebody to have some humility and, and uh, to have the stellar career and have it get recognized. And, you know, you get people that have been studying for six years and they're in the Hall of Fame and, it's just not uh, not the same as the major Hall of Fames and other athletics. Mm-hmm. I think exactly. His intentions are good, and I think uh-huh. that uh, he he really wants to make it something that's special. And um, you know, I, I like him. I think he's a good man, and uh, all he's ever done with me is anything he's ever told me that he was going to do, he has done it, and that's pretty admirable. Mm-hmm. That's that's actually very admirable. Yeah, uh, and and he supports you. In fact, to, to get your attention, <laughs> what I had done when I requested inventor information for your tournament, I said I put my title down as associate VP of alumni relations for the Masters Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And your 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 student got back to me and says, "Wow, they're a big supporter of Bob's. You're welcome. Come on and." And that, that helped open doors because I know that you'd recognize at least my name. Mm-hmm. Probably not well, right. Like I said, we're real happy to have you out there. Oh, it's going to be great just to support the kids and and do and maybe conduct some live interviews there. Mm-hmm. That'll be great. Uh, it's it's going to be a really good thing. Now on with with the royal family kids. If you know, it's such a great organization. How would somebody mm-hmm. go about getting involved or? Or don't, or sending them a donation of some kind. Well, there's two different things. If they want to go directly to Royal Family Kids, they have their own website, and it's uh, royalfamilykids.org. Or they can go to the Bob White Invitational, and we have a donation page, and they would just fill that out. It's, it's still uh, 501c. Everything's tax deductible. And what it is, it, it shows you how to pull it out. It's Bob White Invitational, um, Newport Mesa. So it's R, let me see, N-M-C, I believe. And then it, it just, they can write the check to that. And then from there, we give one big check to the royal families uh, after the tournament, the week after the tournament. 
we have a big ceremony. And the guy named Wayne Tesh and Diane Tesh started this, uh, I don't know, well over 20 years ago. They started with one camp here in Newport Beach, Costa Mesa, and now they have over 200 all over the world. And wow. they were at our event last year, and I'm sure they'll be at our event this year. Barbara and I are going up to their national convention here on March 8th, I believe it is, uh, here in Irvine. They have it at the Marriott over there, but we've been going there uh, for the last four or five years, I believe. And it's just a, a great thing. It's just a bunch of people that have dedicated their lives to help these children. And that Wayne and uh, Diane are just wonderful people. But uh, that's how they would do it. Either go to the Royal Family website or go to the Bob White Invitational website, and then we just get the money to them. By the way, the Royal Family Kids is the highest-rated charity, I believe, here in California, as far as percentages oh. of money that goes into them to that is donated and then is, is used. I think they're number one. Uh, in fact, they'll have that rating on their website if you get an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's that's incredible because we have so many good good charities out there, and yeah. I really wish them all the success because there's such a it's such a worthwhile cause. It is, and like I said, I I wish it didn't have to exist. Well, yeah. exactly. It's just uh, it's heartbreaking, but it's 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 inspiring too. When like last year, as an example, at our banquet, the speaker that we had was a, a, little, a young lady by the name of Samantha Orr. And Samantha was the worst case of child abuse in the state, I believe it was Missouri. Um, and this was like, I don't know, maybe 12, 13 years ago. And it was a, a terrible case. She, she has a, in fact, if you go to the Royal Family website um, homepage, they have uh, a clip, a YouTube clip of her on it. But she was our speaker last year. And if you see her now and you listen to her talk, it's just an amazing transformation. She ended up being adopted by one of the royal family counselors who was a psychologist. And she became her mother. And her life now, she's a college student. She was like captain of her basketball team at her high school. And just this unbelievable transformation. Then when you get up close and you start to talk to her, you're reminded because you look at the scars that are on her back. And it just, oh. it truly is heartbreaking. And again, it's just, it's more inspiring that we have to do more. That's a, mm-hmm. a process, something that has really brought our school and, and really the Kempo community together because we're working in it with a common goal, and that's helping these kids. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, again, for our listeners out there, the website, the main website is Royal familykids.org and uh, while we were talking you know I I just found out that on an average every year 3.6 million American children are reported as abused neglected or abandoned and that's sad and you know this is why you know this organization is um, so so important to support and like Sifu Bob says it's unfortunate that this organization has to exist because of um, child abuse issues, uh, but definitely, folks, go to the website. You know, try to donate. There's a big button there that says donate. Even, you know, every every dollar helps, and uh, you know, anything that the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show can do to support this organization, you know, we're we're there. 
because it's uh, right. I've taught a few um, abused children, and it does. It breaks oh, your heart. And But at the same time, to see the joy in their faces when they're in your classes, and, you know, it makes you think sometimes. You know, at least it made me think sometimes, like, oh, my gosh, you know, um, are, are they where are they going? Are they going to the foster home or are they going what's going on? You know, are the parents yep. wanting them back? And if I ever see those parents come in the studio, I'm going to, you know what I mean? I I think, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, it's so sad. But, you know, these camps like the Royal Family Kids gives gives these, uh, these kids and teens just a wonderful outlet for being a kid. Well, it so, really is. There's a, something a saying for the Royal Family about moments matter. And they say yes. how much difference can a week make? And it, it's really significant it now how many kids, they came as campers, and now as they've matured and become adults, they come back as counselors because they know how much it helped them. Mm-hmm. Just a, a tremendous thing to see that. In fact, one of our first years, one of the speakers was somebody who was originally a camper, but now he's a counselor. You know, it's an interesting thing when you go to the camps. When Barbara deals with the kids, so she's the RN, many of the kids cry all the way to camp because they're scared. And mm-hmm. then many of the kids cry all the way home because they don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, a tremendous thing. Many of the kids, one of the major things they have uh, at each camp is a birthday celebration because some of these kids have never celebrated their birthday. Oh, so man. So just things we take for granted. You know, I had wonderful parents. Barbara had wonderful parents. But many people did not and do not have that. And some of these acts of kindness now are really significant for them. Mm. Wow. But it's an honor wow. to be involved in them. But we're looking forward to to this year, and, and happy you guys are going to be there because I'll tell you, there's mm-hmm. going to be some of the top names in martial arts, Benny Urquides, John DeTillidad, uh, mm-hmm. a bunch of the Kempo people, John Sepulveda, Eddie Downey from Ireland. It's just going to be a fun year. Oh, that's awesome. going to be amazing. Now, Bob, was you involved so much with kids, and I was hearing some of these stories, I was actually starting to tear up a little bit because it's so I know, so right? Me too. It is. You know, uh, do, do you run scholarship programs and that sort of thing through your school? Oh, all the time. In fact, we have some kids that work out at our studio that were royal family kids, and now they come over to the studio. You know, we want to be in service. And Barbara and I know without question that, well, the happiest people that we know are people that are in service to others. You know, we just actually, I don't know if you know Rick Warren, but uh, Barbara and I went to church this morning, and he wrote a book, The Purpose Driven Journey, um, or Purpose Driven uh, Journey, and he had sold over 10 million copies of that book. But we listened to him speak this morning, and he was talking about that we're on earth to uh, serve people, and when you serve people, you serve God. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we do, to answer your question. That's great. And now, have you seen, Bob, because I, I hear these stories, have you ever... Um, well, you've been around for so long teaching. I'm sure you have. You, now you know the signs to watch out for. Have you have you had kids that have come in that have obviously been under an abusive roof? Yes, we have, it's, and it's very. You know, I've had situations throughout the years where maybe the parents would pick up the child, and maybe they had. Um, 
had been drinking or something along mm-hmm. that line. And it just, you know, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. You know, you want, as an instructor, you want to be a mentor and you want to be an example. And mm-hmm. the reality of it is, in some cases, you have them for one hour a day and the parents yeah. have them for 23. You know, it's, it's a very, can be a very frustrating thing mm-hmm. to not have. Uh, lack of power is our dilemma many times. There's yes. certain things we just mm-hmm. can't have control over. But whenever possible, it's something that you hope the influence and, you know, you talk to the parents and you you, you think, if for the most part, parents want to do the right thing. They want to be good parents and they want to make good decisions. You know, unfortunately, the only real manual is the Bible, and some people choose not to use the manual. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of a, a situation where, you know, we do as, as much as we possibly can within the studio, but in some many, many cases, our hands are tied. Yeah. Oh, I, I bet. Now, now, Rusty, didn't you tell me about the same type of situation where you had a parent show up? This parent wasn't just buzzed. Yeah. They were lit up. They were lit. Yeah, I had a I had a situation where uh, this is when I was still teaching karate in a community center. And the class had ended, and uh, two kids, uh, their parents had not shown up to pick them up yet. Well, class ends at 7, and it's 7.30. So I'm like, oh, okay, no problem. You know, I'll wait around. So I took them upstairs of the uh, of the community center, played ping pong and pinball with them and stuff like that. Okay, now it's 8 o'clock, and mm-hmm. now it's 8.30. Well, the community center closes at 9. So I'm like, oh, gosh, what do we do? And the uh, office staff, you know, came up to me and said, Rusty, we have to, <laughs> we have to close up. What do you want to do? And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, we'll wait outside. We'll wait in my car. Okay, maybe something happened. I hope nothing's going on, right? Well, this was back when there were were no cell phones. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. You know, and uh, they actually tried calling the parents, and there was no answer at their home. So we're like, "What's going on? I hope they're okay." So we waited, and we waited, and by the and it's almost ten at this point, wow. and I started to get worried. I'm like, "Well, okay, kids, where do you live? Do do you guys have a key?" You know, can, can I drop you off at your house? Is there a neighbor or a grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle I can drop you off with? Um, and they're like, no. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? So I kept calling the number that they gave me. I kept like, thank goodness I had a pocket full of dimes. And mm-hmm. then they finally showed up. We're sitting in my car in the parking lot. And uh, they finally show up. And I, like, knock on their – I knock on their um, – window because they didn't come out they just expect wow. they just expect the kids to come out of the community center that's been closed for three hours and i knocked on their driver's window and the and the mother rolls down the window and it smells like a liquor store yeah and i'm like ma'am you know did you know that the community center closes at se- uh closes at nine you know class was over since seven i've been having to supervise your kids for three hours and i have no problem doing that but i just want to remind you that and and then she started she interrupted me and started yelling at her kids to get in the car, and I'm wow. like, ma'am, you know I'm yeah I'd be happy to follow you home. I can drive them in my car. No, they're coming in my car. Who are you? And I'm like, I'm their karate teacher. Well, they they're coming home with me, and I'm and that's why I felt powerless. I didn't want to tell the woman I'm driving your kids. I'll follow yeah. you to make sure you don't run into anyone. But at the, at the same token, it's kind of like, well, okay, she's the mother. 
you know, and I don't know yeah. the story. I don't know if they're being abused or whatever. I don't know if she's just an alcoholic. I don't know. And I was just like, oh, my God, what do I do? And uh, I ended up following them home. I followed them home, and the uh, mother goes stumbling into the house, and the kids come out, and I flash my lights. And I said, come here. And I'm like, here's my phone number. If anything happens, if you need anything, call me. And well, luckily I didn't get a call, and I checked up on them the next day, and they're like, yeah, you know, mom does this all the time. And I'm like, oh, no. my God. And it's just so sad. And, you know, those kids stayed for another six months, and then, boop, they were gone. I don't I don't know yeah. what happened. And, I, you know, I was like, what's going on? And, and at the time, you know, credit classes were only $30 for a quarter, three mm-hmm. months, $10 a month at the community center. And I'm thinking – Where's why is it because they can't afford it? You know, if these kids can't afford it, I'll pay for it. You know, yeah. but after they were gone, I couldn't get a hold of them, and it was it was just so heartbreaking to to it is heartbreaking to see stuff and like that. Frustrating, and you know, you know what it could do for children uh, if they were to be able to stay in martial arts, and then uh, you see what a tremendous burden they have with poor parenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Very, very frustrating. Yeah. Now, in something like that, Bob, is it? Do you do you feel it's your duty at that point to call the police if the parents are really lit like that? Like That's she a good described. Point. No, I think the the avenue would be to talk to the parents first because mm-hmm. you know you you kind of have to give them some sort of uh, direction, but it's it's totally irresponsible, and I and I actually. I've experienced that. At some point, you have to say this is not acceptable, and you mm-hmm. have to be able to set some sort of standard because, boy, you know, God forbid something happens, but if they were to get into an accident and you allowed it, you would feel terrible. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, at some point, there has to be some boundaries, but it's it's tough. You don't have control. You might have them two times a week. You might see it. Well, what about the other five days a week? You know, it's just... Yeah. Uh, very, very frustrating. Yeah, and it's not exact, and, and you can't exactly call the police and say, "I think kids are being abused," you know, because like a lot of times the police, um, they kind of like cringe at that. It's like, "What do you mean you think?" You know what yes. I mean? And yeah, and that's where the, the that's where the powerless, where the feeling of powerless lies with exactly. uh, us teachers and and stuff. Now I know that in um, the case of public schools, um. You know, teachers can say can go to the principals and say, "Hey, I think, you know, Johnny or Jill or both are being abused at home, and they're not talking about it." And then it's up to the principal at that point. And if the principal doesn't get any um, any answers, then I, uh, at least here in Washington, then they can call the police because it does um, involve um, attendance at school also. So yes. if a kid is so unable to attend school because of what happened at home it you know then it's then it is on the principal and that's what the police can i guess blame it on i guess right well exactly you know and and you know in situations like that i think it's great because then it allows authorities to to check out what's going on and to at least let the parents know hey you know somebody's watching um you know and either they clean up their act or they don't and, mm-hmm. uh, well, the thing and, we can do, and the, what we do have control over, is how we conduct ourselves. And it's yes. why it's so important that we really police ourselves and try to be 
the best example we possibly can be by being level-headed and, and mature and, and be able to have this, uh, you know, be able to give them something that hopefully they could look up to and aspire to be, and maybe that will have an effect on them as they get older. In fact, I know mm-hmm. that it does. You know, I have relationships with students now that are, have their own children that started with me as children, and we still have a friendship, you know, 40 years later. It's just been, it's such a cycle, but that's what we do have control over. We have control over how we conduct ourselves and the example mm-hmm. that we are. Mm-hmm. Yep. The other, while frustrating, the, the what we do, what we can do can be very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, it looks like we've only got about 10, 15 minutes left to our broadcast, but I do have one more question, and it's more of a history question. Because yes. one of my own students asked me about this because I do kajukenbo, and uh-huh. I I had a student ask me what's the difference between kajukenbo and kenpo because both grandmasters of each art technically studied under the same person, and yeah. um, other than other than that, like Tijo Emperado went one way and Grandmaster Parker went the other way, you know. Um, uh-huh. I you know I wasn't able to get the student to understand really what the difference was so. Um, I was wondering if you could tell our listeners, you know, what what differences there might be between the two arts. Well, I think that there's a lot of similarities, but to answer your question, the differences, I think what Mr. Parker wanted to do is he wanted to get more of the Chinese circular motion back into the art. So he mm-hmm. was able, because of his education and the time uh, that he was coming up through the ranks, I think the, his ability to travel internationally, mm-hmm. the uh, idea at the latter part of his life of computers were starting to become more and more popular and your exposure to different things was enhanced because mm-hmm. of that. I think he really wanted a system that was different than what he learned from Professor Chow. Even though Imperato, from what I understand, was his senior in rank, I think he kind of took this different path, and the fact that he was a college student, he went to Brigham Young, of course, the fact he applied a lot of the uh, the lessons in education and created a curriculum that was very, very sophisticated. I think Ed Parker had the ability to see something and then improve upon it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, on the spot improvement, it was, it was remarkable. But he was always uh, curious. He was always inquisitive. Uh, he really admired the Chinese art, and he brought in a guy by the name of Jimmy Wing Wu, who was mm-hmm. a, a Chinese stylist. I don't know if you've looked at very many of Mr. Parker's books, but one of his first mm-hmm. books was Secrets of Chinese Karate. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things that they actually used in the Kung Fu series, uh, the, the, the technical advisor for Kung Fu series was David Chow. And David Chow was a close personal friend of Ed Parker's. And a lot of the things they used in the pilot were directly from his book. Or from his book was directly from the pilot, but they were they were the same. Um, and I think so that's really what made Ed Parker unique. And what makes American Kempo unique is that it was in this state of constant evolution. And constantly improving. And he really wanted to create his own system. All of the forms... Maybe some of the self-defense techniques, I'm sure there's similarities, because that's where Mr. Parker's roots lie. 
but I think the curriculum itself was changed dramatically from what he originally learned. And uh, mm-hmm. not, I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just saying it's different. And uh, yeah. I think that a lot of the concepts or principles are going to be similar. But I think um, the bottom line is that he really set this curriculum up very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you made a good point in the sense that, you know, uh, Grandmaster Parker had the ability to, to readily travel um, yes. as opposed to, you know, just, you know, flying out of uh, Hawaii anytime Sijo wanted or any of the other five founders of Kajikambo. Um, oh, well, until they did come to the mainland. But um, Mr. Parker had started doing that before and uh, went that direction of, of more of the Chinese um, circular um, influence and stuff. And mm-hmm. that's pretty much what I told my student, but they still didn't get it. Because it's like, you know, our Kajikambo family tree has uh, Grandmaster Parker's name on it under the Mitose section, mm-hmm. you know, as well as Sijo Emperado. So people, a lot of people just assume, being beginners, they look at the family tree and they just assume that uh, Grandmaster Parker is Kajikenbo. And I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. explain that. So, <laughs> you know, so that was a wonderful, uh, clear explanation of that. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm going well, to pass that info on. Yeah, I'm going to pass that info on you. You know, so many times throughout the years, I competed against the Kachi Kempo people, and they're just tough as nails, as good as there is. There's no question. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I guess that's where you know a lot of students tend to to assume that American Kempo or Parker Kempo, um, as some people call it, and Kachi Kempo are one of the same. Because, you know, I the, one of the jokes I had was honestly, you put a black gi without a patch on either one and have someone mm-hmm. punch at either one of them, you're not going to be able to really tell until they do form. Yes. <laughs> and well, it's exactly. Like, wow. Yeah. And it's, uh, and it's, and it's awesome. It's, you know, um, regardless, you know, of the, the style, I think, you know, the lineage is, is there, you know, it's, it's such a rich mm-hmm. lineage up through the Mitose line. And it's just, it's just incredible. So, well, wow. Well, the Hawaiian background, I think there's always been a lot of practical application. So <laughs> yeah. I think that's really something that uh, I think Ed Parker's techniques and I know Imperato's techniques were definitely influenced by real-life situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pound them into the dirt, brah, type of Pound them into the dirt, brah. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we are running out of time in our live broadcast. We're going to get kicked off the air here in a little bit. So, uh Sifu Bob, do you have any other questions? Well, Bob, if anybody wanted to get a hold of you for training, for seminars, how how would they go about getting a hold of you? Just uh our website bwkenpo.com. My initials bwkenpo.com. And uh, just my email address would be on there, and they just have to let me know, and then uh, we'll talk and see if something can be worked out. Awesome. Beautiful. And actually, you really... probably you'd have well, people would have success if they just Googled uh, Bob White Karate. They wouldn't have any problem getting in touch with me. Awesome. Very cool. Awesome. Well, I'm. Well, you guys, so thank you for having forward. me. I certainly appreciate the time. Look forward to seeing you in person. Awesome. Absolutely. We look forward to seeing you, too. I will be too. there, and, and we're, we're, go, we're going to be broadcasting live from the Bob and Barbara White Invitational mm-hmm. uh, March 23rd. Yeah, that'll uh, be very March cool. 
March 22nd. Oh, is that the date of the tournament? Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, Friday got night's it. the got banquet, it. then the 21st, and then the 22nd. Perfect. Got cool. it. We'll be there. Outstanding, awesome. you guys. Well, thank you very much. Thank you awesome. so much, Bob. And you, say hello to Barbara, and you have a great evening. All right, you as well. Thank you, guys. See you soon. Thank you, sir. All righty. Bye now. Bye now. All right. Awesome. And that was Master Bob White uh, joining us. And uh, tune in next week, folks. Um, I'm I'm working on a show regarding kids. Speaking of kids, um, I was talking to Sifu Bob about this. And um, if I can pull it together, um, we're going to see about trying to put together an episode specifically for the kids interviewing some kids and uh, getting some kids' uh, takes on what they love about the martial arts and uh, why they like training and what styles they do and all that stuff. So we'll let you know on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page um, if that uh, pulls out. And uh, also, Bob, next weekend is your um, is your anniversary, so I'm going to say it right now. Happy anniversary. <laughs> yep, yep, and I got a birthday tomorrow, an anniversary, and Valentine's Day all in the same week. Uh, yeah, that's going to be an interesting week. 29 years. Wow. Wow. Congratulations to you both. It's it's rare. In the Hollywood area, <laughs> even with yes. people that aren't movie stars to be married that long so you guys you guys are both just the the coolest couple and yeah love you guys both you you know it's just everybody wonders they wonder this about you too so my wife jenny is not exclusive they Hmm. wonder how she put up with me after all these years and people must be wondering how have you put up with him for two years <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll, since we've got about two minutes left in our broadcast, I'm actually gonna, I'm actually gonna answer that. It's because Sifu Bob, his personality is sort of like my kind of like my, I don't want to call it my dark side personality, <laughs> but it's my, it's my playful inner personality, the personality that I put on the the dojo floor. That's completely different. The personality that I put in professional situations, that's different. But when it comes to me being a playful, joking around kind of person, Sifu Bob is exactly that, and he's my brother in that way. And we, we just, like, mesh together, and we get along really well. And I would not have another co-host for this particular show. So, yeah. Oh, but I am thinking about asking uh, Michelle Manu, since she lives in Huntington Beach, to be our guest co-host for the Bob and Barbara White. Because she did such a great job in San Diego. I couldn't have done, literally couldn't have done her without her. Yeah, yeah. That That would be awesome if we could get Michelle to join us. So, anyway, stay tuned next Sunday at... It's 11, isn't it? 11, <laughs> At yes. 11 a.m. for our Sunday brunch show. We'll uh, we'll try to get the uh, kids episode out there. So um, tell your kids that we're going to try to get a kids episode out there. I'll let everyone know, and we'll see everyone next time. All right, bye-bye, everyone.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.